You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. In the name of Jesus, amen. The very first sentences of St. John's Gospel preach heavenly realities that are too far, that are too far above us to even fully comprehend, to understand. And yet St. John takes us by the hand And he insists that we come with him to marvel at the mystery of God himself, to peer into his very heart, even from before the foundations of the world. Now, who are we to do this? Who are we to have received such an honor? The reason why people want Christmas some sort of winter holiday without church and God talk, is because deep down they know they have no right to draw near to a holy and righteous God, much less to ponder His mysteries. So why do we dare to do this this morning with St. John? You and I, we're simple people. We're not philosophers or scientists who think that we are capable of discerning the inner workings of reality or God. We're not mystics or monks who stretch out to touch the divine through our meditations or heroic good works. You would think that if there's anyone out there who's worthy to behold God in His majesty, it's these luminaries who have put in the hard intellectual, spiritual, and moral work. But St. John doesn't care about the ladders that they've constructed to reach God. And by the world's standards, St. John cheats. (laughs) He brings God down to you. Even to sinners who are terrified of falling into the hands of the living God. But when he brings you to behold the divine mystery, into which angels long to look, when when you're brought there to see God, And you're finally coaxed to open your eyes that you have shut because you're afraid. You see Jesus. This man, who was seen by simple shepherds, whose sermons were heard by the multitudes throughout Galilee and Judea, who was touched and, 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 who was touched and who was cradled by his mother, Mary. He is the divine word. He is the word made flesh, full of grace and truth. And this is your gift this Christmas morning. So that you would know that the grace and the truth that Jesus brings is your unassailable treasure. Unlike maybe the flimsy Versions of the brand name toys that you bought from China, you know, for your kids this year, because they didn't know any better. (laughs) Uh, St. John, St. John does not, interestingly, begin with the Christmas story 2,000 years ago. Instead, he takes you to a place before time, if if it can even be called that, and before the creation of angels, animals, rocks, stars, or light. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, 
and without him was not anything made. Now, it's a fact that God is one in his simplicity. The philosophers have figured out that much. We have to give them that that much credit, I think. And even uh, St. James says the demons know this, but when they think of it, they shudder. What's incredible is that, given God's oneness and his unity, through St. John's preaching, the Holy Ghost reveals the complexity of an eternal conversation between God and his word. Now, Luther calls this word more than just sort of an utterance of the mouth. It's the exchange that happens within God's own heart that's been going on from eternity. Yes, God is one, but there is more than one person speaking. You get glimpses of the holy conversation throughout the Psalms and the prophets' sermons. And you know, what we, what we confessed this morning in the verse to the Holy Gospel in Psalm 2, you heard God saying to His Word, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. This word is not a part or an aspect of God, nor is he some sort of first creature. The word is God himself, having the same essence. And this is what it means to be God's son. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to the Son. His essence, his attributes, his glory, honor, and divinity. To prove it to you, The Holy Ghost calls to our minds the very first words of Genesis, which show us that God and His Word were both before everything and created everything. It's a mystery. I can't hope to understand it, and neither can you. But this isn't given for your comprehension or your understanding. St. John gives it to you so that you can confess it. And believe it. It's given for you to know that God's word, his very heart, his son, is God of God, light of light, very God of very God. This is your comfort. What the word says and what it does is divine. His work is perfect, eternal, and good. His truth cannot be contradicted. He makes the Father's hearts known, and thanks be to God, there you find grace and truth for sinners. St. John writes that in this word was life, and the life that was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Though the word is light, and the life of men. The devil's lies captured mankind in the darkness of sin and in death, the same way today in which he seeks to capture your life in darkness. Now you would expect, having fallen into this darkness, God's anger, his displeasure, his wrath, But, St. John assures us, the light shines in the darkness. That is, God spoke his heart 
to dying sinners like Adam and Eve, to dying sinners like you. He promised a woman's seed, an offspring of their own flesh and blood who would crush Satan under his pierced foot. The light of life and of promise shined in the darkness of this fallen world. It has shined from one generation to the next. It was preached from Adam to Seth, from Noah to Shem. The sermon was heard by Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all Israel. And to all who believed in his name, that is, in the name of the seed, the light of life gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When the prophets came bearing witness to this light, just like John the Baptist did, they were delivering life to dying men. Even as these same men were being consumed by the grave, they gave hope that though only the only thing their eyes could see was God's wrath and displeasure, His judgment, that the true light of His heart was coming into the world. Imagine the joy this is. This must have been for the Old Testament saints. They preached. The prophets preached that the light of life, which was not merely a part of God, but God himself, it was coming into the world. And like John and Isaiah bore witness to this light by saying that this is the woman's seed, the virgin's son, that this the seed would be called Emmanuel, God with us. They assured the, the saints of old that his victory over sin, death, and the devil would be perfect. Not partial. Not something that needed to be added on to, but perfect in itself. And his rule would be perfect. His enemies as his footstool. As he ascended and returned to his father's right hand, just as David himself preached to Israel. Words can't express the joy that, that accompanies this sermon. And when the Old Testament saints heard it, They gave thanks because they knew that their frail humanity, which had been given over to sin and to death, was to be glorified, even as the seed of the woman was to rise to rule at his father's right hand. This Christmas, dear saints, the mystery of the Trinity, the two natures of Christ, and the love of God towards sinners are cemented to Jesus' flesh and blood. When Jesus speaks of these sublime doctrines and teachings, he speaks as the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made the Father known. He has made God's heart known to you. See how he comes to you. He comes in weakness, not power. He comes in humility, not pomp. He comes bearing your flesh, that can and would grow weak, be pierced, bleed, and die under his Father's anger, all because you loved the darkness more than you loved the light. Because of that, the Father and the Son conspired together to destroy your sin 
and your death, even if it meant the life of the incarnate Son of God. Jesus' journey to the cross took some 33 years, but he lived each and every single one of those moments with you on his mind. For the sake of grace, he won his Father's favor twice over. So Jesus had the Father's favor by nature. It was his birthright. The Father looked at the baby in Bethlehem and sent angels to preach his coming. At Jesus' baptism, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, with him I am well pleased. And he did the same at his transfiguration. He said, Listen to him. He makes, he makes me happy. He has my smiling face. But Jesus does something more than, than just holding on to the Father's favor that he has according to his inheritance. He obtains it anew with his perfect and active keeping of the law so that he might present his righteousness, his obedience to you as a gift. And so St. John writes, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the sake of truth, he preached and taught the kindness of his Father's heart so that there would be no doubt whatsoever about the kind of salvation that he brings. He taught the distinction between the works of the devil and the works of God. He taught the difference between God's accusing word, which ultimately drives you to God's proper and true word, his gospel, which is his very heart. St. John writes, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is the truth that sets you free. And finally, that Jesus' grace and truth would be undeniably yours. God's Son paid your wages of sin. This is the glory of the Son made known to you this morning. By Jesus' descent into death, your guilt and your shame were extinguished. By His rising to new life, you obtained His victory over death and peace with the Father in heaven. And so rejoice, dear Christians. Jesus, God's own Son, is your brother, according to the flesh. And He is pleased to call you His brothers and His sisters. In St. John's Gospel, it happens in this way. Jesus calls the people that He teaches, His disciples, His apostles, His children, all throughout the Gospel. Until finally He is raised from the dead, and he's obtained this inheritance. And then he comes and finds his disciples and he says, You are my brothers. That is, you are sons of God. He has this by nature. But through his death and resurrection, and by the giving of the Spirit at your baptism, you have obtained this heavenly adoption to become the Father's children. Jesus has glorified your flesh and your blood so that where he is, you may be also. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.
We hope you were blessed by today's word of hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.